It's everyone's favorite Canadian, Michael X. Krusty. How is everybody doing this fine day in January? I can tell you one thing up here in Toronto. It is cold, 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 cold. Welcome to the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. Uh, you're probably wondering, this isn't Bob. Where is Bob? He doesn't sound like Bob. Nope, 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 nope. Bob? Bob got lost in the wilds of American South while ghost hunting. So he's out there somewhere just all willy-nilly, you know, doing his thing. And uh, I got a message via Hawk. He sent it to me via Hawk all the way from there, down there in the South saying, Michael, please, 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 please do a takeover. So I'm here to save the day. I guess you can say I saved the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I came up with a plan. I said, hey, I'm going to call my good friend Scott Middleton. Scott Middleton is from the band Cancer Bats. And if you haven't heard of the Cancer Bats, you definitely need to check them out. You can find um, all the socials online and all the streaming services, the YouTubes and all that stuff. But definitely check them out. They've toured the world a lot of times. They've sold a lot of records. They've played a lot of shows. They're a great band. And what you're hearing right now, the song that's playing, is from their newest EP, You'll Never Break Us, which is kind of a breakdown acoustic quarantine EP that they released. As well, you're going to hear a song by the band Napoleon, which is a band that Scott produces and manages. And you're going to hear a song from my band. I play guitar in a band called No Big Deal. We recorded a song about a year and a half ago, and we never released it, and we finally got Scott to master it for us, and we're releasing it in January, which is very exciting for us. As well, you're going to hear a Misfits cover from this project I have with Scott called The Hybrids. And right now, I'm going to play you a Cancer Bat song. This song is called Hail Destroyer, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Scott Middleton.
Scott. Hello. Hi, Scott from the Cancer Bats. Scott Middleton from Cancer Bats, everybody. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing I'm doing really well, actually. It's uh it's a lovely day in Dundas, Ontario. Dundas, Ontario. That's uh that's where the Dirty Nilla are from, aren't they? They are from here, yeah. 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 I um when I moved here, Luke invited me out for coffee at Detour and we hung out and uh we had a good time. Very cool. Are you a you're a big coffee drinker? No, actually, uh, I'm more of a tea guy or a hot chocolate guy. Okay. I, um, I only like uh, Vietnamese iced coffee, but that's probably because it's really sweet. I've that's okay. Yeah, where do, do I have do I have to go to Vietnam to get that or no no just any Vietnamese restaurant probably oh. in the in the GTA uh, definitely. But I mean, almost like, everyone I've ever been to um, makes them, and it's delicious. You can get it hot too, I think, but. Um, it, the iced coffee is more like a dessert kind of, kind of. Yeah, vibe. yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm addicted to coffee. I love coffee. Yeah, I do love coffee. Yeah, any kind of coffee. Really. I, I'm weird because like I don't like the taste of coffee, but I love the smell of coffee beans. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, whenever my friends like buy a bag of coffee or like my wife does, I'm like smelling the beans. I'm like, oh, it smells so good. Yeah, and I have some. I was like, it's so bitter and gross. <laughs> it's so yucky. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a lot of people that can't stand the taste. Yeah, one one time I I was in um in Spain in the Canary Islands, um and they were like I was producing a band and every morning they would go to this really cool cafe and get coffee and some breakfast and stuff. And uh, my friend as Drew, he'd always get this really I don't know fancy looking espresso with some milk and whatever. And it was like called a cortado, but again, it kind of had that, mm-hmm. like, it looked like a dessert. Like it looked like a, like a chocolate vanilla pudding swirl thing. Almost. Yeah. It was very and, welcoming. Yeah. And anyway, so I was just like, you know what, I'm going to go for it. And it actually was pretty delicious. Um, I must say, however, yeah. um, for the next like two hours, I just sat there like, <laughs> shit, like I couldn't, I couldn't even focus. Like I was, yeah. I've never felt so strange in my life. That's the caffeine um, and the sugar. Just yeah, yeah, just everything all at once. I was like, guys, yeah. I, I'm, I'm gonna like, I'm just gonna like lay down on the couch for a second. <laughs> like <laughs> that's the worst that's thing okay. you could do. Yeah, that's yeah. the worst thing you could do. You got to go run around the block. <laughs> yeah, but see, it works in Spain because they're all about taking naps. Like they love a siesta. Oh, like I love that, siestas. That's a legit thing. So like, they're like, Oh yeah. Okay, cool. We're, we're going for nap time early today. Perfect. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I think they were up all night partying the night before anyway. So it kind of, it kind of worked out, but I was like, okay, I, I'm not, I'm not like an expert enough to handle this. Yeah. So, yeah. It was a yeah. new feeling for you for sure. Yeah, for sure. So cancer bats, yeah. uh, six albums. And uh, right, six albums is that correct? I mean, yeah. If you count our current EP, it is. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that for a second. It's called "You'll Never Break Us: uh, Separation Sessions, Volume One," which yeah. which means maybe there's a volume two. I, I think there's going to be a volume two. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of left uh, that open. Yeah. I. You know, it, it's funny. Like, uh, I remember when I was a kid, um, White Zombie was one of my favorite bands, and they had that. Uh, that record last exorcisto devil music volume one yes and i was always like where's volume two <laughs> also cor- uh, corrosion conformity volume one. Oh yeah well no it's called volume no. dealer 
America's um, Volume Dealer. Yes. It, yeah. My band, Endorphins, had an album called Volume 1. But we never right. did a Volume 2. <laughs> well, yeah. I see. I think we're going to plan on it. Only because our Volume 1 for Cancer Bats has been really well received. People seem to really like the like stripped down, like psychedelic, sort of acoustic, bluesy country vibes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just trying something different. You know, I think like, um, you know, when the pandemic hit and we're all locked down and we were just having fun doing like Instagram videos and stuff. And we did like um, some just acoustic versions just for fun. And people really liked it and they were like, yeah. record it. And we were like, okay. Yeah. I remember so seeing we just kinda, yeah. We kind of just like kept doing the, yeah. the Instagram video thing. Um, but then we started kind of, nerding out on it a bit more amongst ourselves and like getting really layered and, and, and weird with it. And then, so we took a step back and we're like, Whoa, okay, this is cool. Like, could we do more crazy stuff? And then, so we sort of picked what we thought would be the songs that would work the best um, out of all the like cancer bat songs that, you know, we thought just naturally would be conducive to trying some stuff. And um, yeah. And they came out pretty cool in the end. It was, it was, it was a little bit weird piecing it all together um, because we weren't together for the first time ever. Right. Everyone, everyone's kind of in different spots in Canada, right? Yeah. We're all across the country. We, no one lives near each other. Mikey's in Winnipeg, Liam's in Halifax. Um, yeah. I'm out in sort of the Hamilton area, Jay's in Toronto. And uh, yeah, so we're, I mean, obviously the rest of the world's like this, we're not hanging out, but it's um, yeah, that's unusual for us making music that way. And uh, so everybody started, you know, sending ideas around like Jay and I would work out sort of an idea on like guitar and stuff and then uh, layer them on top. And then Mikey would add some drums and then Liam would come back and do some vocals and then we'd add some more layers and then maybe uh, um, for most of the songs in the end, I ended up doing the bass for them. And, and then, uh, yeah, like uh, I've got a recording studio in Dundas um, that I work out of schoolhouse studios and um, I, I mixed it all here. And oh, so uh, you mixed all the songs. All yeah. I mixed songs. all, yeah. I mixed all of them. Yeah. Great. And, um, yeah. So that was a lot of fun and it was cool. Like we, we were trying to decide on the vibe, but that's, that's, I think the sort of the tricky thing because it's not like, you know, when you're making a record and you've got a producer, or at least like if the band is the producer, we're all like going in there being like, okay, what's the vibe? What's the sound? Like, yeah. what are we going I, after? I, Whereas like everybody kind of just randomly recorded things. So it, that was kind of the tricky thing was sort of piecing it together in a way that yeah. it all fit. Cause finding a personality for each song. Well, yeah. Thing. Because, you know, sometimes like, you know, there might be like multiple, multiple layers that, are getting sent my way and they, they don't all work together. So then I'm like taking certain lines and I'm like pitch shifting them and, and so that they maybe harmonize in a certain way or don't sound like a guitar anymore, just trying to go weird and, yeah, and then going, cool. okay. Or then we're taking stuff away and going, okay, well, if I do this, I, I can play this on bass, but like maybe on like this song, like on death's March, I was like, what's it going to sound like if I, make it really like weird in eighties and like way more like, like joy division and sort of, or the cure and understated, but like f- covered in like flanger and stuff and yeah. just tuck it underneath as like a texture rather than like where cancer bats, the bass would be a little bit more in your face or something like yes. that. Right? There's definitely and, a lot of reverb compared yeah, to uh, a regular I mean, cancer oh, bat yeah, album. Like drenched in reverb. <laughs> yeah, but see, yeah. that's the, that's the cool thing about that's reverb is that it's like, I'm creating a space mm-hmm. and um, 
a glue with that reverb so that it sounds like everything's in the same room, you know, trying to, you know, while everything's recorded separately and very much not in the same room, I needed to make it sound that way. So I'm approaching it with, with a lot of reverb and tape delay and um, tape saturation, especially to um, just making things sound as dirty as possible. And that was like, I think like when we started, piecing things together, you know, it was just very rough mixed and, you know, we were kind of getting the vibe, like, ah, this sounds very like, I mean, just naturally, of course you record anything, it's going to sound quite modern. And if you're just like plugging straight in uh, on a basic audio interface and recording something, you know, there's not nothing to color it very much. Yes. So everything just sounds very clean. And, uh, you know, we were kind of like, yeah, we don't want this to like come out sounding like, uh, like Nickelback's photograph or something, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, this is an American podcast. I don't know if they're going to, oh, they're going to know that, uh, know that Nickelback one. Nickelback is huge. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll know. Who are all these they'll people the listening vibe, to Nickelback? Like, sorry. Who are all these people listening to Nickelback? I, I, I don't, no one, no one will admit it. Uh, I, I see i've seen that shift i've seen that shift online like in the music community there's lots of like those people they're they're not so like uh in the dark or they're they're a lot more uninhibited of their nickelback love uh at least in like the the like recording community i think a lot of people like respect how good the records sound yeah. even if they don't love the songs or whatever yeah. I, I mean whatever and that and that's the thing too but um anyways more to the point like i uh, you know, had discussions with the band and everybody was definitely more on the page of like, how do we make this sound older and darker and dirtier and more lo-fi than like heavy in the same way cancer bats would typically be. So, is, like, yeah. yeah. So once we like, yeah. And, and so once we like approach things from that angle, it's like, okay, cool. Like this can be, uh, you know, done in a very distinct way. And, um, you know, and it, it, it kind of let things sort of more naturally fall into place while I was mixing it. And, um, yeah, I think it came out really cool in the end, you know, it's, it's great. It's, it's great. Except, yeah. It's, it, yeah. it's one of those things like, it's like, it's rough around the edges in a lot of ways. Cause you know, like, again, it's not like we're trying to make it sound slick. It's just very much what it is. And, um, you know, we got to have fun. I played some organ on it, you know, like, trying it's, to get the different. guitar on a bass record for the first time. And yeah, it's yeah. different. It's it's you're being creative in your own homes. And it honestly, it doesn't sound like every, it doesn't sound like people were in other places recording It all. It all came together. Great. Very, yeah. very, very well done. And I also like the, uh, the titles of the songs They're uh, They're kind of like a Monin style. Yeah. Uh, like play, playing off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It was cool. Just, just to change it up and sort of like, obviously like when you're on, you know if you're streaming it it's like you know it's which version of the song you're listening to and um you know because we did uh, for anyone who doesn't know we basically like reinvented uh a lot of our old songs uh, on this one and um and you know and i think that was one of the things too uh you know not being able to get together in a jam room trying to write new music um was you know was proving a little difficult and then we're you know, approaching some more familiar material and having fun with it to get our creativity out in that way. And, um, yeah, you know what, honestly, the, the response has been amazing. We were able to, um, uh, raise money for, um, a charity, uh, in Canada called water first that, um, provides clean water to, um, like our first nations, uh, reserves and stuff like that for people who don't have access to clean water. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a, a really, 
uh, flattering thing to see how much people are taking to it. So, you know, that's cause great. we're really, just, we're just really having fun with it. And, you know, like, I think, I think that's kind of, uh, you know, people that know us, that's kind of the vibe of our van- our band anyway, but yeah, oh, um, for sure. Yeah. But it's uh, yeah, but it's been really good. And uh, so I, I want to go back a couple years now and yeah. uh, your album, uh, I want to say your, is it your fifth album? You have six albums according to the discography on Wikipedia. Oh yeah. I guess with, uh, yeah, sorry. Okay. <laughs> well, see, so, cause it's, it's confusing how you think of it sometimes. Cause it's like, we've got like our demo. Yeah. You have EPs and, you you know, and then we've got a bunch of EPs. Yeah. So it's hard to like think of it, but yeah, I guess six full length. I guess, I guess you're, yeah. for, for me, I'm considering birthing the giant, your first one. Yeah, yeah. So that that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So going back to uh, searching for zero. Yeah. Uh, I, I I didn't even know this. We've and uh, for people listening, I've known Scott for quite a while. I didn't know that uh, Ross Robinson produced this album. Oh yeah. So yeah. I'm and if for people who don't know who Ross Robinson is, he did uh, he did the first couple of Corn albums. He did Slipknot albums. He did one of the most. Uh, influential metal band, uh, metal albums of all time. I think Sepultura Roots. Yeah, absolutely. How is it working with Ross? Uh, how did that happen? Yeah, I mean, incredible. Really, like, um, I think like uh, for us on that record, we were really looking to try something new. Um, we basically recorded all our records with Eric Ratz and Kenny Long, um, with the exception of our first record, which gavin brown produced but those guys were also part of the team too so it kind of felt like we've had the same team for almost all the records and again nothing against them they're some of the best uh you know production talent uh in the country or anywhere really um i think for us just creatively we were looking for a new challenge um and someone who could come in and um really push us to to our limits and really see where we could go with cancer bats. And um, just basically, you know, I remember having discussions with our manager and uh, his name just kind of kept coming up and I kept thinking about it. And, you know, of course thinking about some of the bands you've mentioned, but then there's other bands he's worked with uh, like at the drive-in and uh, Red, Blood Red Brothers, Fang. he he produced a Cure record. Um, Biscuit, Red Red Fang for me is a huge one too. Machine, yeah, Head. Machine Head, of course. Um, yeah, like I mean, there's tons of stuff. Uh, he also did like Norma Jean, um, you know, and 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 so like especially like through those guys because we had toured with them a bunch. They had great things to say, um, and you know, I think just we were excited about going. To, to work with a guy obviously had a legendary pedigree, but the thing we noticed about Ross is that with a lot of the bands that he'd worked with, um, he definitely was really good at either making the band's landmark album, or it was definitely an album that either um, stood out and challenged the fans and what they thought of the band itself for better, for worse, you know, but I think, um, you know, as artists and musicians, it's like, we didn't really care about playing it safe or just sort of pandering to the audience at that point. Um, you know, I think we were really just looking for a challenge and to have fun and, and make, uh, something exciting and, 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 you know, um, you know, and make sure that like when we went in the studio, like a a guy like rats and Kenny, like we know them so well, they're really good friends. We can kind of like, 
get away with stuff if that makes sense you know what i mean like absolutely, absolutely. you're friends so you can yeah, we're friends so it's, it's a different level of like, further yeah we can push boundaries and you know and to our own detriment you know per- perhaps um but you know with ross we we're like well he's a stranger we don't know him we're gonna like most likely be on our best behavior in that way where like um you know, we'll listen to, to an expert's, you know, opinion and influence. And anyways, you know, uh, in preliminary talks with Ross, like he seemed really cool and he really uh, liked our vibe and he loved that um, we were friends with some of the bands that he'd worked with. Um, and so he even went and asked about us to other people and heard good things. And that's uh, great. That's so Yeah. Cool. So he, at the time he was living in Venice beach in uh, California and, uh, so we went to like live at his house for a month and made a record on the wow. beach. Yeah. Wow. It was it was really cool. Like, I mean, his, uh, his production approach is really inspiring to all of us. Um, definitely me as a producer. Now um, I take so much from what I learned with him and just um, his spontaneity uh, in terms of creativity. He would just, he's really, really good at that. Not, you know, never even mind like technical engineering expertise, all that, but, um, he's, I've never seen anyone push, um, musicians creatively the way he does. And like, he really wants to capture the performance and wants emotion put to tape above all else. Like, you know, he'd rather you play a wrong note or play it out of tune guitar and play it like you mean it, than just play really stiff and perfect. And, yeah. you know, I think, I think for me in particular, I, I really, uh, you know, felt that like, I think coming from a different school of thought in terms of recording, um, you know, I was previously trying to make everything note perfect and like settle for nothing better than the most perfect performance I could give uh, possible, which is a way of doing things. But Ross is the opposite. And so it took me a while to like go, okay, I need to like let loose and, and perform from a deeper place within myself rather than just, focus on what my fingers are doing if that makes sense yes absolutely did he make you stand up while you're playing guitar recording oh yeah yeah like every single time yeah he doesn't like people sitting down um when they're performing unless you're a drummer and uh (laughs) you know but um yeah like almost everything was was done that way he wants you rocking out like you're playing a show like he doesn't want you sitting still so like a lot of times like people you know, told the stories, Oh, he, he throws shit at people and he, he gets in your face and gets violent with you. And it's like, well, yeah, he's doing that because he wants to evoke, invoke some sort of reaction and, yeah. and performance out of you that he's not getting. So this is his way of like making you play harder and, and more, more on fire and, you know, all these things. And he would like, you know, as a guitar player, I would, you know, plug in and get my sound and then, after doing like two takes of a song, um, you know, and I'm thinking, Hey, I haven't even got like the main take yet. He's, he's like plugged in a separate pedal board of his own and he's just doing crazy noise shit with, with this auxiliary pedal board, just <laughs> mangling the sound the whole way. And I, it was like the craziest thing. Cause I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm playing and I'm just like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> what are we doing? You know, and it was, it was confusing and it was, it was difficult. And, and uh but really you know going through the process we really saw like a side of ourselves that i don't think we would have been able to get at otherwise i think you know um hearing his uh you know ideas were so fresh and new and the way he would look at songs and be like 
no, don't put the solo after the bridge, put the solo at the very beginning of the song. You know, they, like these crazy things that like, it that just you wouldn't worked. think of. Well, yeah. And it was cool because it, he, re, he would really come in and like, we'd play the song for him once or twice. And then he would just be like, okay, here's what we have to do. Here's how we're going to rearrange the song. And he would instantly know. And, that's, and that's, I, I really love wow. that. And, and that was the thing. Cause that's kind of the way I work with with the bands that i'm producing um you just i go off my instincts and i really learned that from him like trust your instincts trust what comes natural um as far as inspiration goes sometimes you have to dig it a bit deeper for it but but i think like he really made it um easy for us to like to find that place you know sometimes like he would like blindfold me and like he would tell me to think of a guitar part and then and like that would go over like a guitar part I'd never played or written. And basically I would have thought, Hey, this song's done. And they'd be like, no, it needs like another counter melody here. And I'm like, well, I don't know what that is yet. And then, so he would like, like I said, he would wow. like, blindfold yeah. me. He'd get me to listen to the song in headphones like five times. And he's like, I want you to like hum it. I don't want you to play it. I just want you to think of what that is. And then like, when he thought I had listened to it enough times, he'd like take off the blindfold, give me the guitar and he'd be like, now play it. And then something crazy would come out and it would be like, that's very cool. That yeah, is very or, cool. Or he would just like, he would open up this, like, uh, he, he, like he had like a pile of guitars and cases. And then, um, you know, if the sound wasn't doing the thing for him, he'd like point and be like, go grab that guitar over there. And I was like, this one, the Rickenbacker. He's like, yeah, the one that says Wes Borland on it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, and so he's like, he's like, okay, yeah. So this is uh Wes Borland's like 1965, like uh Rickenbacker. And I'm like, holy shit, this is a beautiful guitar. Like it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, probably one of the Beatles played this damn thing, you know? And, oh, uh, and I'm like looking at him like, wow, this is like, and he's like, okay, now beat the shit out of it. I want you to hit it as hard as you can. And I'm like, what? And he's, no, like, no. he's, just, like, he's just screaming at me to hit these chords harder and like punch the guitar. And I'm just like, this is, I mean, h- hilarious and scary and fun and uh, all these emotions. And you kind of like run through that. It was like, it was a very, uh, very emotional record. Um, uh, you know, across the board and, and Ross really digs in deep on the meaning of songs. He really doesn't like um, vague answers and, and, and passive uh, participation, you know, like we're recording the drums and he starts asking Liam what the lyrics are about. And Liam would say something, you know, maybe it was a bit vague and he'd be like, no, no, dig deeper. Tell me more, get more specific. He's get very more specific. And, it's very passionate. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but he's right though. Like, you know what I mean? This is one of the other things I learned from him. It's like, you got, we got to have a real story behind the song. You can't just say words that mean nothing. And that's what like I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you, how do you, what it, for, you're a producer. Yeah. Obviously, and, and, and you've taken these lessons, these things, and you've made it your own kind of, and done it your own way for. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. the studio, well, what's but, your studio called? Sorry, what's that? What's your studio called? Uh, the what studio I'm in right now is called Schoolhouse Studios. Cool. Um, but yeah, like what I, what I want to finish saying is that it's like, it, you know, I, I watched him challenge, you know, like Liam's an amazing singer, great front man, all this stuff. It, you know, it, I'm watching him challenge a really talented person to take it another level and to not accept, um, you know, mediocrity or, or just making anything sort of like banal and plain and mundane. Mm-hmm. Like he just really wanted 
to, you know, go to a deeper place. And then the cool thing was, is that he wouldn't just stop at Liam about the lyrics. He would turn to me and Jay and Mikey and ask us now that we knew what the deep meaning Liam really meant behind these lyrics. Like he would go, well, what's the experience in your life that relates to this? How can, how can we, uh, you know, get, get your story into this song wow. um, so that we would be like performing and he would make you think about the story that you would tell to everybody and perform that with your instrument, even though you're not the singer, it's just, you have to perform the piece with intention and emotion behind it. And yeah, it was really cool. And, you know, and again, like I, I this is the thing, like I might not go to that same extreme um, you know, where it's almost like Ross is holding group therapy sessions. And, you know, it, this kind of comes from his mom, who's like a, uh, like sort of a guru, motivational speaker, sort of, uh, he calls it woo-woo is like this woo-woo. woo-woo. He's like, yeah, like my mom deals in woo-woo and I've learned all this stuff from her. And she's like a very famous person as well. Her name's Byron Katie, if anyone wants to look oh, her up. And, yeah. um, and, uh, and anyway, so, uh, yeah. So, you know, he brings that out and, and, but, you know, I think the essence of what he's saying and what I take from it is that like, when I get in the studio with a singer and they're, you know, I'll ask them what the, what's the song about, especially if it's not apparent to me, you know, because I'll come to my own conclusions first, but sometimes it's not clear and I'll sort of ask. And if it's not clear to me and then they give me an unclear answer, um, you know, that's the, like, that's the, like, uh, red light going off for me. That's the, like, yeah, that's, that's sort of like the bullshit. The woo-woo. The woo-woo is coming well, out. No, there needs to be woo-woo. That's <laughs> yeah. the thing. I need to go get some woo-woo in there because the, the idea is that it's like, uh, it, for me, the woo is more just like, I want the person to tell me a story. At least I need to know that like this means something to you. And if it's just a bunch of like jumble of words thrown together, like how are you going to like sing it and how's anybody going to like fall in love with this song and, and believe it? Like we got to like make music that's like real and honest. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, especially like nowadays, like, you know, if we're talking heavy music, like it's so homogenized and, you know, nobody's like playing through real amps anymore. Half the time, half the time it's drum machines being put on records. You know, the human element is moving further and further away. And and the one thing they like we can't replace with that is you know lyrics and vocals like that's that's always going to be the most human part and and so that's the thing like I never want that to suffer I really want to always give that the attention and and I demand that you know I've called I've called that bullshit on definitely several singers in my studio where saying this isn't good enough this there's nothing here that. You know, like you might have some cool melody ideas or the arrangement might be rad, but like, let's take that a step further. Like really give me something memorable and something that I can relate to, relate to, or at least have a reaction to, Absolutely. you know, because if it's just vanilla, plain, boring, like, I mean, that's just going to be the reaction of everyone. Like let's, let's make them feel something. And, and yeah, so I'm always trying to like encourage people to go that, that further step because I, I saw what it it brought to us. And the cool thing is that it's those kinds of effects um, you get from being pushed that way. Um, even if it doesn't necessarily come off right away in that beginning, it's like, you never forget that you, you're always thinking further ahead and down the road. And it's like, whether it was like Gavin teaching us how to arrange songs and like, and guys like Kenny and rats driving us for us to play better. And, um, 
you know, and perform at the, the highest level, you know, and, and really, you know, make some great songs uh, to Ross to going, okay, well, this is like, you know, we're going to capture your band at its most, most authentic uh, spot. And at simultaneously it's most creative and uh, a lot of new ground, you know, it was, it was really, uh, it was really, uh, an overwhelming experience in so many ways. It's, um, and it sounds you know, like you learned a lot, a lot, tons, tons, yeah. all about ourselves, all about music, everything that about our band. And I, you can definitely hear the effects of that on the spark that moves, you know, like we were able to take a lot of those ideas, even though we didn't make the next record with him. Um, I felt very much like, you know, the, the, the ghost of Ross Robinson was in the studio with <laughs> us. And, and we'll and, continue uh, to be over our shoulder, you know, and that's like, I, I have to thank him so much for that. You know, like we feel really lucky to have been part of that. And uh, I've got to say, I've got to say it's been, it was quite a jump too from going from yeah. Venice beach to, to, to Winnipeg to record the, the next album. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huge temperature shift. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, with the next record, we, we ended up doing it in Winnipeg mostly because uh, uh, Mikey had just had his uh, first child. And, um, and he wanted to be closer to home, which I can relate to. I have a son now and, um, you know, and anyways, it turned out there's a great studio with a great producer, um, JP Peters, um, at private ear in Winnipeg and amazing studio, really, really great guys. And, um, like Jay and Mikey, they, they play in a, another band called, uh, Julie and the wrong guys with, uh, a Canadian, um, musician called uh, Julie Duaron and um and it's a bit more like i guess indie rock or something if you know for lack of a better Wait, term did you say and, Julie Julie Dorian uh, you well yeah like Duaron Eric's, like, trip? Eric's trip exactly yeah she was They're in a band trip. with Julie from Eric's yeah. trip yes wow. exactly. yeah Julie and the wrong guys yeah I love Tar I love uh, the, the album Love Tara is is one of my favorite uh, Eric trips uh, just one of my That's favorite awesome. yeah well no, early exactly. 90s albums yeah, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I remember we used to like jam that in like uh, photography class in the dark room all the time in high school. <laughs> I was, I was in, I was in a, a, just an Eric Trip, Eric's Trip cover band in high school. Oh no way! It was like okay, so, much just in. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so basically, <laughs> like, they had made um, a record with Julie at at Private Ear um, the year before, and so they were just kind of like, hey, like this dude is awesome. It's a good vibe. Let's go there and. Um, and we had also previously visited uh, Mike and we were jamming and started writing the record in Winnipeg as well. Um, and, uh, you know, so it just, it kind of made sense. It you worked know? out. It, yeah. yeah sure. the, you know, the, the minus 40 weather part that didn't make as much sense, <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, you know, but anyways, whatever Winnipeg's like full of amazing people and um, we have a good time there. And um, yeah. And I mean, you know, uh, JP's amazing engineer. He made the record sound incredible. And then we en- ended up getting Eric Ratz to mix that one to sort of bring it back closer to our roots as well. Because I think that was one of the things it's like, uh, um, some, some of our fans weren't as into the mix on searching for zero as much. And we went with a different guy on that one. And, um, and so we wanted to kind of like, bridge the gap between searching for zero Absolutely. and, and yeah. our, our previous material that way. And no one knew our sound better than rats anyway. Oh, so for sure. Yeah. You yeah, yeah. So, so it ended up coming out really, really awesome. And, um, 
you know, that, uh, you know, th- that record was also really well received by, by a lot of our fans. And, you know, uh, unfortunately we, we didn't technically finish the touring of that uh, just before things got locked down. And you guys, uh, you guys had toured, you guys gone, you guys went to China, you went all over, all yeah, over the world. Yeah. went to Nepal. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, you know, it, it, everywhere we could at least. And there was more places we wanted to go and, um, you know, we had, we had to basically cancel. Yeah. Just like everybody else. Oh yeah, of course. Exactly. But it, but it, it sucks, you know, like in, in the same way, I know you and I have talked about it before about how there's like friends bands, uh, you know, that, that we know that, you know, they just put out a record COVID hits and then, you yeah. know, basically the labels like, well, the record's done. And they're like, we didn't even get to tour it, really. <laughs> it's, un- it's very unfortunate. There's there's a lot of bands who are, I want to say, kind of like the mid-level, where they're not in their basements playing. They're yeah. they're they're on a label. They released an album. Uh, they're about to take off. They they've they've been working hard on getting people to listen to them, go to their shows, and it's like uh, COVID hit, and they're just gonna have to start again at zero, which it yeah. it really sucks. Yeah, it's I feel I really feel for these people. You know, this is this is one of the things I'm like I'm really trying to, you know, help out you know these upcoming artists as much as I can. I mean, I work with people like this all the time at the studio, of course, and I, I really uh, I really feel for them because there's so so much potential and great music that's being made, and and it's like there's a lot of artists are scared to release it because they go, is this the right time? It, it feels like if I put it out now, like labels don't want to sign me because they can't even see us play if they even liked it, you know, and yeah. it's, it's really tricky, you know, and, and, and talking to labels, they're all over the place to being like, well, everything's backed up. We're not signing anybody or they'll only sign something if they know, like it's already kind of a very established and, and now has that trajectory. And I mean, of course there's, there's always exceptions and things are changing, you know, by the week at this point, cause you know, the lockdown changing. Sucks. Yeah, and people still have to keep the music industry moving, right? Um, but it's think, uh, it's tricky because there are, I know bands personally that are like sitting on incredible records. Yeah, because we're just like ah, oh, we just don't want it to like, you know, fall under the mess that the current world climate. Yeah, and then just like we spend all this money and it, it won't get the the rollout it deserves because we can't tour it. You know. Well, so the big problem. Uh, with the music industry is labels, record labels, they, they only sign you to, to album deal, deals these days, yeah. right? It's, that's yeah. how it's been for, for for decades. And, uh, it's, it's just not the thing now. Like I think that the, the hip hop community has it right. And it's kind of what, you know, rock bands were doing in the fifties and early sixties. They'd release a single, go on tour, release a single, go on tour. And, yeah. and like, it's coming back around to that now, but record labels are still in that. We need to sign you for the whole album. And, and, and let's, let's be honest, uh, people, a lot of people that are listening to iTunes or Spotify, they're, they're not, they're not going on there to listen to a band's whole album they're going on to listen to this band song that band song so i i I really think that most bands especially in a pandemic like this they should be releasing singles yeah that's my opinion well i mean i i think there's definitely a strong move for that especially now i mean i see tons of bands doing that that's you know so that's also why like you know cancer bass we're just doing eps right now right yeah um you know we're not going crazy um you know, everything's within reason and, and it's, it's tricky. Yeah. Like every other band is coming to me being like, Hey, let's record a song. Let's record 
two songs. Let's do five. You know, I mean, I, I just mixed a record that was nine songs and I'm like, Oh, finally, <laughs> you know, That's like cool. basically a full length. Right. You know? And so it's, what's, what are some of the bands you're working with right now? Um, well, I mean, locally there's, um, a great band called Napoleon from Toronto. That's, yes. uh, yeah. Yeah. And you, 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 I mean, you obviously know them cause you did the music videos for them. Well, and I've done two um, music videos for them. Actually, let's play one of their songs okay. uh, before we get into it. So let's do uh, Napoleon left to die. Cool. Napoleon uh, with uh, Left to Die. That's a song you produced. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that, that was an interesting one. So, um, you know, in the midst of doing writing with the band, um, you know, I kind of came in. They'd already put out a few EPs and um, we worked on a couple of singles uh, originally and, and that went over really well. So we kind of we kind of hit it off and I've started helping the band a bit more in the management capacity as well and trying to sort of, you know, I look at those guys and I see a lot of like myself when I was young, uh, like they are in, you know, didn't know where to go and didn't know who to turn to for advice. And so I, I thought I'd really kind of, um, you know, do as much as I can to, to help them not only, you know, further their career, but also level things up and, and really help them be as good as they needed to be. And, uh, and so, you know, it was a lot of that stuff where, um, you know, I pushed them really hard in the studio and, and was so always challenging them. Okay. Let's keep writing. Let's let's make another record. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, I listened to some of their older songs and I was like, there's a lot of great stuff here, but it was, it was none of it was produced. They just, you know, went to a friend's studio or just recorded something really quick and cheap and, you know, and, and that's all good. Um, but I really kind of felt that there was a small handful of songs that, you know, if I was able to go in and produce them, we could take them just a step further and they would have, uh, you know, some quality content to put out in the meantime, while we like put the final touches on the new record that would come out. And so left to die was one of them. Um, there's another song called formaldehyde and, um, uh, what's the other one, uh, deal with the devil. And we ended up doing a, a cover of, uh, uh little sister by Queens of Stone Age. Yeah, and, that's a great tune too. Yeah, yeah, it and, came out great. And you know, and anyway, so like with Left to Die, I just I kind of analyzed the song. I was like, this needs to be even more punk. Like this song kind of had this vibe, but you know, your drummer is ten times the drummer he was three years ago, and you recorded this. Like, let's put some power into this and some real punch and aggression. And um, yeah, we had a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, uh, their 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 band I think is really going to do some great things. Like they just they just got like listed in alternative press as like, um, 
like one of the ba- new bands to watch out for in the Canadian music scene, which is really cool. It's proud of them for that. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lot of other good bands too. Like there's a band, um, another band from Toronto called champion lover that I've been working with, um, which are a bit more of like a, a grunge punk thing, uh, maybe somewhere between like Nirvana and idols or something like that. Um, cool. yeah, they're amazing. And I, I can't wait for them to, uh, to release their record. Um, there's another band uh, called spill your guts who are, sort of from China and Canada um, and Russia and Scotland. None of them are Chinese. None of them are actually Chinese, but they all met in China. Oh, wow. And yeah. And so I met them when we were on tour in China and they were sort of our tour guides um, on the tour and they, they all speak Chinese fluently. So they were, they were like really helpful, um, you know, taking us across the country on trains and stuff. And, um, and we had the best time and they were an amazing band. And so anyways, they ended up coming back over to Canada and um, I got to produce their record and they're like a bit more of like a sort of like a black and crusty hardcore kind of thing. Um, great, great guys, amazing musicians, like tons of fun working on that. Um, uh, there's, there's a new band um, sort of from London, Ontario called Junko Daydream um, that I just did an EP for. And that, they're an inc- they're probably one of the best bands I've ever seen perform in a room together. Like they have this amazing energy. They might, um, we might change up the name. I'm not sure, but uh, we're sort of like, you it's know, a sort tongue of, twister of a name. Yeah. Well, you know, I, yeah, it's a bit of a tongue twister. And so that's one of the things, but regardless, um, you know, their, their musicianship and their songwriting speaks for itself. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for that to, to come out. Um, I'm mixing a record for uh, a band from Spokane, Washington right now called twin void, which is uh, they're like a two piece and it's sort of like fuzzy, gnarly rock and roll, but with like a, kind of uh, like a weird stoner punk vibe to it it's it's really cool um and i've been actually doing a lot of mastering it's kind of been one of my main things since like we can't have bands at the studio right now um so like i really it's something i've always done anyway but i i really got uh you know into doing a lot of mastering for bands um the uh well actually one of the things i just mastered was uh, your band no big deal (laughs) You sound yeah. you sound very busy. You, I just want to say before we get into that, you you sound just as busy as I am, which is good for for, for a, a pandemic type of lifestyle. Well, now with I the mean, you know, I I think like how do I say this? You know, I, there's a silver lining to the pandemic in terms of uh, a couple of things in my life. You know, I just had a son last year, and being able to stay home with him and my wife and and, and raise him has been you know, incredible and an eye opener. And, you know, I'm lucky I was there to see his first steps and his first words instead of being away on tour in that regard, you know? Um, and and I'm, I'm really, uh, you know, thankful for that. Um, but also it's sort of, you know, becoming a parent really incentivizes you and really hammers home that, okay, you know, like I need to work harder than ever to provide for my family because, you know, the band has always been my main, uh, job, you know, even though I've been doing the studio and producing bands, um, you know, on and off over the last 10 years, it's, it's been really like something that, um, you know, more than ever, I was really thankful that I had this side career, the side hustle, if you want to call it, whatever, um, you know, when I wasn't doing cancer bats. Um, and so I just kind of like more than ever just, okay, well, I need to, find more bands to work with. I need to, 
Um, you know, if I, if I can't have people at the studio, what can I do? Well, I can master records, yeah. I can mix them. Um, you know, and, and I'm you, don't have to leave. you don't have to leave. You don't have to go far. You don't have to do anything. Well, no, it's, just, it's yeah. It's just down the street from my yeah. house, the studio Perfect. and, and I work alone. So, you know, I'm just in a, a room by myself the whole time. So it, it works out great. And, um, you know, that's the thing is that a lot of bands are recording themselves at home. So they need help with things like mastering and mixing. And, yeah. um, so, and my band, we actually recorded uh, the song that you mastered. It's called A Million Things. Mm-hmm. Uh, my band is called No... I don't think I've spoken about my band on this uh, podcast yet. I have a band called No Big Deal. I'm the guitar player. Yeah. And uh, we recorded it. Uh, we recorded the song a year and a half ago or so with Ryan Gway at uh, Catherine North Studios. Also in Hamilton. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, which is a great studio. I'm pretty sure uh, Tragically Hip recorded there, maybe, and Dallas yeah, Green recorded I think Dallas Green, yeah, I think I yeah. heard that. Yeah, yeah but also so uh, in your band, uh, Christian or Chan, as we call him, the bass player, um, he's he plays bass in Lawless Sons, which is another band that I've produced over the last uh, couple of years. And, um, you know, it's I, I love that, you know, music community side of things coming together, you know, working with yep. friends. And 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 uh, he actually mixed this uh, new single you guys yep. have coming out, too. He mixed song. Often. So, you know what? I'm going to play that song since you mastered it and I'm, I'm playing guitar on it. So let's play that right now. This is no big deal. A million things. And the, the song's not even out yet. So this is a, the first time listen for everybody.
All right, that was no big deal. My band. Uh, I love that song, by the way. A million things. It's, it's awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Now, speaking quickly about Lawless Sons, the the bass player from my band is in this band, Lawless Sons, and uh, you produce their EP as well. And yeah. we have we have something else in common. Uh, they have a music video called Mufasa. Yeah. And in that music video, you and I are the cops that are trying to take down the band members. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. And we actually won an award for this uh, Mississauga Music Award for this video. So that's pretty cool. Oh, uh, yeah, dude. I thought it was awesome. And and it's like, I don't know. I love that kind of like fun video vibe, like where it's just you're kind of like laughing. It's funny. It's exciting. It's hilarious. I mean, it, it draws you in. It makes you want to like watch it again. And, uh, you know, it reminds me of like when we used to have some videos like that. Like when we did like our beastie boys cover and stuff like that, where we got to like run around a city for a day and like, you know, and let's, let's talk, let's touch about that for a minute. Yeah. Uh, Bob, Bob is the, it's his podcast. He wanted me to Hi, ask you about that song. Okay. Uh, he uh he's like they do sabotage and it's fucking amazing uh, uh that's a song that you guys would play live kind of as like an encore if i'm wrong if i'm correct if i'm wrong yeah i mean it's definitely a song we've done lots as an encore for sure um yeah it's usually like one of the last couple of songs in our set sometimes we've opened with it actually <laughs> like at like at a, big festival, at a big festival and when you want to get the crowd going start with the song they all know yeah that, that's a great idea and yeah. I, I've, I've heard i've definitely heard different bands covering it but that your cover of that the cancer bats cover of sabotage is, is fantastic thanks man yeah i'm really proud of it and how it turned out you know it's it's a funny story behind that like um when we were making Bears, Mares, Scraps and Bones, which we actually just had the 10th anniversary uh, uh, of that record. We just uh, re-released it on vinyl. Um, the uh, We were writing songs for that record and we were almost done. And we were like getting ready, I think, to play Scene Fest, which was this uh, outdoor sort of like city festival in uh, St. Catharines, Ontario years ago. And, and basically... Um, Liam had a dream that we covered it and then showed up to practice. Like I had this crazy dream. We covered sabotage. And we're like, Oh, that's funny. He's like, I think we should do it. And and we kind of were like, Oh, how are we going to do that? And then I, I don't know. I just kind of like sat one board. On guitar. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, exactly. And, and just trying to like figure it out and like, how are we going to have like turntables? Okay. I'm going to do some wah guitar, of course. And yeah, you know, like, and, and just like make it fun. And, and it was the thing that we tried out at like, a few festivals and it went over really well. And so um, it wasn't even going to be on the record. We didn't even know, like we had basically already recorded the entire bears record. And then at the very end, we're like, we have enough time. Let's set up the drums again and record (laughs) sabotage. Yeah. So like literally it was like a song we recorded in a day uh at the very end of the record and almost wasn't even on it and even when we recorded it we thought oh this would be like a b-side on the japanese cd release or something <laughs> it know? was very popular on canadian radio when yeah, it came oh, out no i mean it was, it was huge it was it was really big all over the world really honestly like the the amount of um you know like new fans we got because of it was hugely important to our success. Like I, I can't, you know, uh, state that enough. I mean, it was just the, it ended up being like a brilliant cover to do for, you know, for our band. It's, you know, that's the thing. Some bands like they do covers and it's fine and whatever that one just 
somehow really suited us, even if, you know, like, even if I didn't see it, you know, like a mile away and Lima had a dream and it just kind of turned into a thing. And, you know, uh, our record label was like, you know, pretty insistent that it would come out on the record. And, and we were like, Oh, okay, sure. I guess like, you know, and I think, you know, a lot of bands have that, Oh, I don't want to be known for a cover. And it's like, well, wouldn't you rather be known? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and the nice thing with us is that it was already our third record and we already had success. You had established yourself. So yeah, it wasn't, and, it wasn't and, like, you know, like we were already doing, doing the band full time and yeah. at that point. So it, it wasn't like that strange. It was like just really good timing really. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we had to ask the band permission to do the song and they gave us their blessing and um, amazing. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, it was it was cool and you know, uh I mean I uh I, yeah, it, it's it's <laughs> the nice thing about it is that it's never lost its charm. It's always fun to play. Yeah. Like no matter what like I don't get tired of playing it. It's like I get tired of some of our own songs ahead of that one. It's just literally one of the most fun songs to play the whole set. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of become part of our band. So I'm sure we'll always play it really. Um, Speaking of covers. Yes. You and I have a a new project, uh, a quarantine project, I guess you can say called the, the hybrids. Is that yeah. what we're calling it? Are we calling well, that, that's it? That's one of the, that's what we've been calling it. Um, you know, uh, until we think of anything better, that's uh, what we'll call the hybrids and it's our misfits cover band. Misfits cover band. And that's yeah. with, uh, with Paul from the flatliners on drums and then yeah. uh, Valerie Knox from anti Queens and uh black hat attack on vocals. vocals yeah. And, and it's what's really strange for me is that I'm playing guitar and you're playing bass. Which yeah, just, but, it's just blows my fun, mind. Man. You know, I mean, I've got I've got all these bases at my studio and I, you know, I have all this bass gear and <laughs> I've never played bass in a band. So this is like this is like my shot to to have fun playing, you know, like cool bass in a in, in like a Misfits cover band. I, you know, I, I mean, like it was cool that we got to like, you know, do this over, you know, the first quarantine or whatever, um, you know, having fun and, and trying out something like that. Again, we're just going for old classics, but then. You know, you know, it like it came out so well and, and, and Val's like vocals were always so awesome on all the other versions of songs that we did. Um, I'm really glad we were able to like find a time when things opened back up, you know, yep. to go in and record some drums and guitars. And um, yeah, yeah, it's been great. I can't wait for uh, people to hear what we do next. Really. So, yeah. So basically uh, for the listeners, uh, I think I think we've played hybrid uh, moments uh on this podcast before, but here is uh, the hybrids doing Halloween.
love that song. Halloween. It's my, by the- it's, it's my favorite AFI song. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny and we we actually we we have recorded other songs uh a bunch of uh other misfit songs that we are still working on so eventually i i guess the plan is we're gonna release it as an ep or whatever down the road we'll have something for you guys yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun really like uh, that's that's the thing i love if you know if we can't be part of a like a a live touring music community like i i feel like the cool thing is i've noticed a lot of people really appreciating music more and more and and paying attention to you know like how good we used to have it and and you know and that's what that's what doing this makes me think of it makes me brings me back to when i was a kid and discovering you know punk bands and hardcore bands and stuff like this and and you know like going to see the misfits for the first time you know, in like the late nineties, like I was so excited, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, it's fun to be, you know, going through and doing these songs. Um, we actually got to tour with Danzig a few years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was, that was the best. That was yeah. so much fun. And That's very was, cool. did you get, you get to meet him obviously? Or? Oh yeah. No, I yeah. saw him every day, you know, it's like, uh, he was always really nice to us and, and, and really nice to his fans and really like a lot of people, you know, sort of it like to you know make jokes or pass around funny memes about him and whatever but like honestly the Danzig we met and hung out with every day was like a really polite guy and like a person genuinely who loves music like one of the things he would do every day is like um you know like their bus would get there and he would go record shopping every single day he would find the record stores in town and then just go and buy like a pile of records like and when, when do you mean vinyl vinyl yeah. yeah like um i mean maybe he got other stuff but we would see him with vinyl like quite often and um you know you really saw like what a music fan that guy is and um and uh you know and and i think that was it was cool because that's what we would do <laughs> like like cancer bats that was always our thing like oh we're going to austin texas let's find the best record store in austin texas you know i feel and, like a lot of bands do that a lot of bands are on tour and the, the first thing they want to do oh, is yeah like you leave you leave you leave home for tour and then yeah. when you get back from tour it's like you have two two like carton boxes full of vinyl that you've collected the vinyl that you bought yeah well and, and that's cool. that's that's like the thing where we're like oh he's just like us. Yeah. Yeah, You know what I mean? And he was in some of our favorite bands of all time, you know? And, and that was a cool thing. Like, um, seeing that side of him where like the only time we ever saw like a, uh, a negative side of him, it was when people were like, uh, trying to like take the piss out of him really. Oh yeah. And and, like, like on, like on one of the first shows, this guy, like, got in his face about like, Oh, I heard you don't like to have your picture taken. And he's like putting a camera in his face, snapping photos. And then dancing, like put him in a headlock. I think, <laughs> you know, but, but the guy deserved it. He was being, an yeah, asshole he, he was no, being, he's been literally a for no reason. Like he was like, I think this guy was like literally trying to get on TMZ or some shit. Yeah. And uh, it was, it was really weird and awkward. And I, I, I felt bad for the guy, you know, because in that same breath, you know, the next day I see him and it's like someone, would show up to the venue and be like, Hey Danzig. And he turns and you can see he's like, was hesitant. And then he looks and the guy's like, you know, head to toe misfits and Danzig 
merch and he's got a stack of records and and comics and stuff that he wants him to sign and literally he would take the time and he would sign like 50 records for like a single fan you know like no questions would just do it and and that was like the real side of it and you know it would be cool too because like he uh, like watching them every night like they were amazing like really really great band and um like uh like i don't know if you know like like tommy victor from prong like is his guitar player yeah and, oh, yeah. yeah and he's so good and like um steve zing from sam Hain plays bass and then like johnny kelly from typo negative was the uh was the drummer and you know like I, those are all like guys in bands that i worship growing up so like that was the other side and they were all amazing uh, you know to us and really welcoming and like the um you know, the thing that I really like appreciated is that like there'd be some nights when Danzig was having a lot of fun, it would be like Danzig by request. Oh, <laughs> and he'd that, be like, that, What that, do you want to hear? And yeah. then he would be like, We can do these songs, and then like like pull the crowd. And uh and then so my trick was that like when I really wanted to hear a song that they did like didn't play, like something awesome off of like Danzig four, I would stand like strategically closer to the stage that night and then shout for the song that like I wanted to hear and he would play it. <laughs> yeah. And a couple of times I got them to do it where, cause wow. like I would know because like, you know, over the course of like 20 shows or whatever, it'd be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. They're like, they're probably going to play like snakes of Christ here. And, and then I'd be like, no play until you call in the dark. <laughs> you know, just, you know, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun and really like uh, kind of like monumental, I think for, for me in terms of like, getting to play with like a hero of mine, you know?
That was Bricks and Mortar by the Cancer Bats. I think it's one of my favorite songs, and, and the video is just awesome. If, you, if you've never been to, Ron- to Toronto, just watch that music video, and you'll, you'll learn tons about Toronto from that music video. <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of fun making that one. It was, uh, it was definitely... Um, it was actually uh, directed by uh, Peter and Josh from uh, July Talk. Oh, cool! Yeah, they they do yeah. they make a lot of videos. Yeah, yeah. So the, we for our like whole Dead Set on Living record, I think we made all the videos uh, like Road Sick and uh, what was the other one we did? My mind is drawing a blank. Um, definitely the Road. Oh, uh, Old Blood is the other one. And then yeah, there's another video done for Rats, but that was filmed in Bulgaria, so that was different. But um, but yeah, uh, Bricks and Mortar was a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, basically we just went around the city, hanging out with our friends, goofing off. Yeah, it's great. great. Yeah, M- Maddie Matheson's getting tattooed. In it. Yeah, he's getting, and uh, <laughs> uh, Billy uh, Billy Talent, the drummer from Billy Talent, you go to his place where he's he cuts ha- uh, hair, right? Uh, I forget what it's called. Well, no, so like, I mean. I mean, I don't know if he's doing that now, but Aaron was in that. I think he was just hanging out. Okay. Um, it was, it's actually like, um, I, I think it was Crow's Nest. Yeah, was Crow's what Nest. it was called back I, then. I just watched well, the video. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, exactly. So it was like that was Crow's Nest, but then the guy I think that tries to cut my hair is is our friend Hambone um, <laughs> or Chris Hamill, and he uh, he has a place called Town Barber now. Cool. Um, cool. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, it's a, uh, it's definitely like a, a blast down memory lane of all our favorite hangouts uh, from a few years ago when we watch it now. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, man. So uh, uh, we're coming to the end of the interview sort of uh, before you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, we want to know if you have any ghost stories. Bob loves ghost stories. So if, do you have any, do you have a ghost story? Yeah. I mean, uh, there's, there's been a bunch of weird stuff that's happened throughout my life, but um uh, just more recently, um, so for the last few years, I've been producing and uh, mastering and mixing out of a studio in Hamilton, um, Dundas area called Schoolhouse Studios. And so um, it's an old schoolhouse building from the 1800s. So basically, like our live drum room is like the classroom, the original classroom. And it has like, wow. like vaulted ceilings and there's chalkboards on the wall. And it, it kind of feels a little bit spooky when you go in there, but it's really cool. And it sounds awesome to record in. And, um, and anyways, as I was, uh, like moving in here, we were playing a show, um, with, uh, the band dead tired. And I was talking with, uh, Franz, the guitar player, and he was telling me about how they used to jam here, like back in the day. And I guess he's like kind of really into like ghost hunting and stuff like that. Like him and some of his friends or some of the other guys in the band. And so I guess that was part of the reason why they wanted to, uh, jam here because it's like an old historic building in the Hamilton area. Um, and I guess they knew it was haunted or I'm not sure. But anyways, apparently he was telling me that he saw stuff like fly across the room, um, while they were jamming, like, Yikes, like, that's, like, that's like, scary. I don't know, like a microphone or something. I don't know. I haven't wow. seen anything, you know, um, that paranormal in that sort of way. Um, uh, you know, I don't feel like there's necessarily a poltergeist here or anything like that. Um, but this one incident incident happened um about a year and a half ago um at least a- anyways um what had happened was i had to come 
to the studio late at night. Um, maybe I had to print out a mix for a band or something like that. I can't remember. But anyways, uh, my wife and I, we, we, we came here, uh, kind of late at night and we, um, were hanging out. And I'm, while I'm like sitting here in like my, my part of the studio and I'm like working on this mix, um, you know, she's asking me questions about the building and stuff. And I sort of, I told her the story uh, that the dead, co- dead tired guys were telling me. And, and she's, uh, I would say like one of those people that, um, you know, she's not a medium in any way. However, there's been lots of times where she's one of those people that like can really, um, sense the presence of some things or sometimes hear, or She's feel something. Open. She's yeah. a little more open to that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Some sure. people are a bit more sensitive to those things. And so we've been in some situations where, you know, um, she's felt or heard something, whatever it was. Anyway, so we were, I was telling her, you know, kind of just sort of joking, just trying to spook her a little bit. Um, and, you know, we were having fun laughing about the story about something flying across the room. I was like, I haven't heard anything. The worst I've heard is, you know, maybe some raccoons in the attic uh, from time to time. And, you know, it sounds weird because you hear like scratches coming through the walls. And that's that's pretty spooky to me because, you know, you don't want some animal to jump on your head. But that also is like never, <laughs> never happened. Like we never had any animals come through the roof. Um, but the, uh, you know, what happened while I was mixing is that she was sort of like looking around and it was really dark in the hallway, but at the end of the hallway, there's this like a uh, gas fireplace and sort of like an old stove, iron stove looking thing. And, and that's what heats the building. And anyway, so after I told her the story, she's like kind of like looking around in the hallway, just sort of checking it out. And I don't know if she felt something or what provoked her to do it, but she just yelled out the words, show yourself in the hallway um, and, you know, I kind of was just sitting here staring at my computer, like do my thing. And I kind of like chuckled, but the second she said, show yourself like a second later, I, I heard this like noise and I was like, what, what was that? What was that? Like s- snap that click? Like, what was that? And she was just like, and I turned around and she's like, walks in the room and she's just like, oh my God. And I was like, what, what, what happened? And Jeff I like, please spooked. Yeah. And I was like, something happened, like, or something fell or what, what, what the hell was that? And then she's just like, uh, go look. And then basically like the gas fireplace had turned itself off and yeah, it was really strange. Like, (laughs) and I, I was just like, Whoa, that just, that was on before. Right. She's like, yeah. And the second I said, show yourself, the fireplace turned itself off and that wasn't a normal thing to happen to the fireplace, but it did. And Definitely we got a, a sign. Definitely yeah. We a got sign. a little bit creeped out. So we left that night. I haven't <laughs> had anything happen since. Yeah. Uh, wow. you know, knock on wood. Um, but yeah, that was definitely like a kind of a scary moment <laughs> or at least just, you know, funny. It's not like anything bad happened as a result, you know, it wasn't like the building blew up and burnt down, but it was, um, you know, just when you, when we were talking about it, it's late at night and you're sort of like, you know, you kind of give yourself the creeps thinking about ghosts and stuff like that. And then something like that really does happen. A strange coincidence. It just, you know, it, uh, it made us scared enough to be like, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, just let's, yeah. let's get out of here though. Wow. That's a great story. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's kind fun. Of you know, 
That's kind of yeah. free. That's the type of stuff that, yeah, it gives you goosebumps for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, do you have, do you have, well, before I say goodbye, do you have yeah. any, uh, any socials? How do people get a hold of you if they want to, you know, they want to record at your studio or they want to get a song? Yeah. yeah. Like I mean, you know, of course I'm, I'm all over, you know, like Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. Um, but you know, if you just look up Scott Middleton producer, um, or scope city on Instagram, it, that works too. But, um, the, uh, the main way to get a hold of me is like through my website, scottmiddletonproducer.com. And you can just fill out the contact form if you want to email me or just if you want to go direct it's Scott at scottmiddletonproducer.com. And then, uh, yeah, if anyone wants to work together on a recording project, mastering, mixing, songwriting stuff, um, whatever it is, uh, you know, I'm always happy to, uh, take on new projects and, uh, meet new bands. Uh, I get really excited about helping people sort of achieve their creative dreams. Um, I've also been working with a, uh, a UK based company called, uh, Sonic workshops, um, which is sonicworkshops.co.uk, where I do mentoring. So if you have just simple questions or things you want to ask about your career or whether it's guitar playing tones, mixing, mastering, um, uh, I do like a one-on-one video tutorials with people like that. And you can book um, sessions through there. I also offer like um, like a, a masterclass just about mix, uh, sorry, mastering specifically um, where we go through over the course of like 10 weeks, we just do a lesson a week and um, and yeah, you just book time and it's, yeah, it's been a lot of fun and I had a lot of really cool feedback from doing that. And um, yeah, that's basically it. Of course, cancerbats.com If you want to listen to the music I make with my buddies and um, yeah, and check out our, our, the last EP we just put out the separation sessions volume one. Yes. It's, um, it's all over all the streaming stuff and Bandcamp. And if you buy the record on Bandcamp, it goes to charity. So there well, you go. I, I said it before, you are you are such a busy guy, but it's all worth it in the end for sure. Absolutely, uh, man. Thank you so much for, for doing this interview. We appreciate it. Uh, I want to do one more thing before we say goodbye. I want to give a shout, one more shout out to Bob. He is in the South somewhere uh, hunting hunting ghosts and uh oh yeah i want to send this song out to him he really loves the version of sabotage by uh cancer bats so here oh, you sick, go yeah. this, this one's for bob bob here you go thanks bob <laughs> 